1: Welcome to What Women Want with Amy Annette. Hello and welcome to the show, What Women Want, where I and some great comedians look at the misadventures, misunderstandings and misogyny involved in being a woman. Consider this your podcast equivalent to a little doggy to whom you confide your daily misadventures. For example, I can confide that I sometimes pretend to be on the phone when I walk past charity people, and that's one thing, but another thing I've noticed is that recently I'm saying the same weird pretend script to myself as I walk past, and it's this quite passive-aggressive thing. I'm saying, well, if that's what you want, is it? It's revealingly dramatic. In this episode, we are looking at what women want is to be happy. We recorded this episode back in October 2017 at the Soho Theatre. I'm joined by many people's ideal dinner party guests, and who could blame them? Mae Martin, Bishop K. Ali, and James A. Castor. Let's join them now to find out what women want.
0: Hello, Amy and Ed. So nice.
3: Um, so today we're going to be talking about what women want is to find their bliss. Lovely. Um, I try to find a sort of like Cosmo magazine style way of getting into what I think are a misconception, misadventures around what women want. And so I thought find their bliss kind of takes us to self-care and to happiness. Two fun subjects. I've had a lot of conversations and I don't know if this is like a specifically London thing or whatever world I'm in thing where people keep talking to me about crystals. <laughs> <Guys>? <laughs> um, in but like seriously. So where I would be like, yeah, crystals, ha <laughs> ha, but they're very pretty. You know, I'm not anti-crystals, sure. People are talking about self-care and healing in these like, very specific ways about uh, crystals mostly, I'm kind of obsessed with the crystal aspect of it, because <laughs> I think it sort of represents a sort of new-agey thing that has come around again. And I, I had to suppress my inner eye roll so many times before I realized that I think maybe what these uh, women who I was talking to are specifically grasping for is a language with which to talk about their self and their need for healing. Basically. So that's right, guys. I took a funny thing, but I made it very sincere. <laughs> it's the Amy Net Guarantee. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Um, oh, I see what's going on here, guys. Um, so I was thinking a lot about it because we keep having these conversations, and uh, my boyfriend and I would go for these dinners, and he would be like, I can't, I don't think I'm meant to be part of this conversation. Because we'd be like, And have you read Eat, Pray, Love? Have you? <laughs> And that was me, because that's my only reference. <laughs> and I was like, have you seen Ypres Love? Because I haven't seen that. Um, but, I, I, but I was thinking about it until, like, to use the words, drilling down into it. And I was thinking a lot of what it means when you talk about what women want is happiness. When we talk about happiness for women especially, what we're, I think what I talk about is finding a place within myself where I control the factors that make me happy rather than living up to other people's, standards of what happiness looks like, and trying to balance that and understand even which ones I thought were things that I cared about, but actually I had just sort of very, like really bought in to someone else's idea of what happiness looked like. And I, I, I was reading this thing about how in the American independence, obviously it says, and I obviously have to write this down, because who remembers these things, Americans remember these things, uh, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness, but that is a thing for all men. All men are created equal, and all men have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So what does a female version of pursuit of happiness look like, and would it be the same? And have we bought into the sort of this idea of what happiness is? And also, the word pursuit is really important. You're not guaranteed happiness, but you're allowed to try. <laughs> and I think that allowance to try is very new for women. And in history, that sort of idea that women might have a happiness that isn't about caring or isn't about their position in a family or how many children they have is so new and so exciting for us to think about. Um, To talk about it personally, when I was younger, I went back through some notebooks, and like, it is depressing, but it is funny how many times I decided to lose weight before summer at the age of like 11, you know, and you just want to be like, I don't don't really know any 11-year-olds now, but like, it makes me realize. They've got some hidden depths, guys. We should be listening to these. I'm looking back at this thing, and it's like, every year. And it's like, you've got to admire the persistence of my dream.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: one day I'm going to do it. And I think I definitely had this sense that, like, if I was, I'd be happiness or I'd be good if I lost weight. Like, I, I was young enough not to really understand what I was taking in, but I was clever enough to understand that it was in when it came down to it. And I just feel like that's such an interesting like, microcosm of how we sort of, as children especially, but even as we get older, have these things in us and we're not sure what we really want and what is something we've been told to want. Um, and I also want to talk about crystals again and again and again. Um, but let's first of all go down the line, May.
0: Hi. Hi. First of all, I'm 11. So. Uh, <laughs> Thank I you for speak. coming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no problem. Um, uh, my parents are here. Uh, no, I, um, what should I talk about? My own. Yeah, what, what, what does the topic, uh,
3: what women <laughs> want, is happiness, mean to you?
0: Well, um, I was trying to think of like my happiest. Memories. I think we often remember bad memories more than we remember good ones. Mm. You know, they get flagged up in your brain. But I I think my happiest moment was... Uh, I find the loss of childhood, like, uh, overwhelmingly sad. Like, I can't, I can't believe we're all getting out of bed. I think it's crazy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, being told... Being told when to eat and sleep was so nice, I think, but um, <laughs> like just taking away the responsibility of, of your own happiness. But my, I think my happiest moment was I was on a beach. We were on holiday in Greece, and I'd been given the autonomy to go to the beach by myself. Maybe I was ten with like three friends, and we had these um fresh donuts from like a Greek bakery with like uh-huh. the sugar on them, and they were like hot from the Like the hot donuts and then we were like we worked up this like crazy appetite like in the sun and the sea and jumping off this pier into the sea so it's like a combination of nature i think being in nature uh donuts and like also maybe the, the total absence of any sexuality or sexual like that i find that gets me into so many not sexuality but like have you know Love so stressful, right? <laughs> uh, so being like prepubescent, I think mm. you know that. And and then it it reminded me of recently. I did this like um, interview with this woman who's an expert on like Scandinavian things, and she's she's Scandinavian, and she was talking about <laughs> 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 what? She was talking about. Uh, do you guys know about hygge? Yeah. 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 So oh, that's wow. like a big thing, right? Um, is we're like reaching <laughs> for funny. So it's this word that means. Happiness, I guess, but it's like associated with co I mean, now they're, they're branding it. There's like hygge candles and stuff, but uh, she was saying that a big part of the Scandinavian thing that, that we're now, I think reaching for and publishers are being like, have a book on hygge. <laughs> the, the new word is largon. What? Have you heard about largon? So it means having not too much and not too little, but just enough. And so, and that's like a principle that she said is, in their social wow. services and stuff like the needs of the many instead of the like never taking more than you need mm. giving back and so like having just enough and so you're not wanting that's so interesting i cannot stop but hearing lardons lardons anyone else yeah 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 yeah.
3: yeah. and i was like mm.
0: <laughs> but, lardons. Also, i'm so sorry Please continue. <laughs> when i was like interviewing her too she kept going i kept going so I I, kept, I was like, could you, and then she goes, you, you don't have to I can't do the accent, she was like, you don't have to do hookah in your home, with your, you could do hookah in a tent, you could hygge <laughs> you could hygge in the rain and I was like, could you hygge on a train and she was like, yeah, but she didn't know that the, ra- the joke I was making So I, I felt bad I was like, would you hygge on a boat, and she was like yes, yeah. so I was like, with a goat, she was like, yes <laughs> <laughs> But that's, I mean, they seem to get it right over there. But, um, yeah, cool. Thank you.
3: That's
0: great. I'm clapping myself. (laughs) Oh, also, I have a crystal in my bag. One small quartz. Which one? Nothing (laughs) crazy. Rose quartz? No, regular quartz. Regular, okay. okay. I don't even believe it. I just have it in case. I (laughs) totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. James.
4: James. Uh hello um i was raised christian so i wrote off being happy a long time ago (laughs) not happy um yeah but that has affected it like actually this year i've been talking about it a lot more uh especially like with my family and people like that and how i didn't realize until this year how much i have been um i don't know it's conditioned a big word but like Whenever I feel happy, the instant feeling afterwards is guilt uh, mm. straight away. So that's mainly what I do. So if I if I feel happy about stuff, and I didn't know where it came from until this year when I realised that that's what I do, and then every time I go home, I go ah, oh, this is where it comes from because <laughs> like I was I was chatting to my mum and like telling her like. I've been buying all this new music recently and, like, really getting into new music for once, not just going back to the old stuff. And it's really fun. And, like, I'll go to bed and I'll just, like, listen to loads of stuff online and I'll buy it and I'll probably, you know, pay for it and download it and put it on my computer. And then she was like, oh, great. And then as I, w- I went up to bed, she went... Don't spend too much money on music. I was like, ah like, was like, I'm thirty-two And I just told you a thing that makes me happy and you'd be like, it's a bad thing now. Before you go to bed, think about the money you're spending, you should have a mortgage, night, no, sleep well. And it was like that kind of thing. And you realise it comes from that and a lot of it like I also had another chat with my mum where I said, uh, that I've realised lately that whenever anything happens, like, if anything bad happens in my life at all, my instant reaction is, that's me, and that's my fault. Uh, and my mum's first response was, oh, yeah, I think you get that from me, I think that's me. And I was like, yes. She's <laughs> <laughs> just done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've, I've, uh, I don't really know. I think... I, I used to think that I'd be happy if I was in a relationship and I was in love with someone. Mm-hmm. and uh, And I've had to kind of, like recently go oh no you're not, that doesn't make you happy you get really stressed in those situations because you're, you're trying to make it good all the time mm-hmm. and you're trying to get it right and that's impossible so that's not, that's not the thing either and actually I think recently letting go of all the pressures to be happy all the time has not made me happier
0: <laughs>
4: <laughs> but definitely made me more chilled out about being sad constantly
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's great <laughs> yeah there's something funny about us laughing at that. There's something we're like,
4: That nah, feels yeah. better than what... That bit of silence, I would have been able to take it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, That's so interesting. Thanks, James. Bishop? Hi. Hi. Um, I was, I, just your story about reading through your notebook really reminded me of when I, I had this distinct thought growing up. Where I was like, it's OK that you look the way you do now because you'll sort it out by the time you're 16. Like, every 16. year. Yeah I, was, yeah, I was 11 years old and I was like... At 16, you're going to be thin as fuck. Mm.
0: You're
2: going to smash everything. <laughs> and then like when I was 17, I was like, I can't believe I was 16 last year. I put a lot of pressure on myself. Make it 18. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm 28. And I'm thinking, like, 30, I'll be thin. <laughs> It'll be fine. Or I won't care anymore. Like, one of the two things. And now I pretend to not care, but I can't pull away all of the, like, the bad juju that we're all layered with. So I just realised, just pointing at everyone's bad juju. Um, (laughs) Like, um, I'm supposed to not care how I look and I'm supposed to not care about certain standards that are ingrained in me. But I feel like um, I'm trying really hard to pretend. I'm being real honest, guys. I'm trying really hard to pretend that it doesn't, like, upset me, but actually, like, it totally does. Like, Mm. every day I would think, oh, it's a mirror, let's not look at that. Jokes. (laughs) 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 Jokes. I'm really confident and love myself. Uh, I think... (laughs) I think a lot of it comes to do with uh, my family as well because they, they, um, they haven't heard of, um, what is it, self-esteem? <laughs> like, it's just not a thing they like to develop in their children because then you'll get ideas about leaving the house and living
3: <laughs> a full
2: life. <laughs> so my parents are hyper-strict. They're like, don't leave the house because of uh, the outside demons and <laughs> pregnancy. And so I stayed <laughs> indoors a lot, and that was a lot of how they... Um, Basically, I'm the victim of child, a lot of child abuse, guys. <laughs> let's rip it open today. Uh, yeah. And also, I think, on a side note, going away from child abuse for a second, the he- <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> the crystals... See, I wonder if a lot of the stuff, like the higgy stuff... Higgy? Hooger. <laughs> <Huger.
0: laughs> like the
2: hooger stuff and the crystals... I feel like a lot of this is like a Western construct where we're like, mm. we can't figure out how to be happy, so let's buy it. Yeah. So... I'm um, not to poo-poo on the crystals. Hey, poo-poo on my crystals. And one time, another... <laughs> I will. Uh, <laughs> I used to live in Saudi Arabia, and we could, my parents would be like, to be happy, here are family trips, and that's when assigned happiness happens. Like, outside of that's not allowed. And one of the assigned trips that we went on, my mum and me and my dad went and found, like, crystals and diamonds in the desert. So they'd drive you to the middle of the desert, and then you'd go out and you'd find the rocks, and then you'd pay the jeweler to refine them, and you'd have a crystal out of it. So what I'm saying is, like... You just find them in the fans' <laughs> shit. Crystals <laughs> are shit and pointless. Thank you and good night.
3: <laughs> Thank you. So now I'm going to ask you some questions. My first question is: I want to talk about um, to address the comedian angle of it first. So I think as comedians, you obviously you have to be propelled to some extent, if not by ego. <laughs> Or sorry, if not by self-worth, then by ego. <laughs> Very much the other way around. Like there has to be a thing that I know when people say like comedy is so brave. Like it doesn't always feel brave when you're on stage. Sometimes it just feels like that's the thing that you would wanted to do. You know, or well, that's the thing that you had to do. But do you feel like? How do you deal with that when an aspect of you, sort of presenting yourself as this is the thing I do, is having other people tell you whether or not you're right, AKA laughter in an audience. <laughs> Self esteem firing squad? Yeah. Uh, hello? <laughs> <laughs> hop, hop. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I wanted to ask you each, like, as performers, do you feel like, because as a performer, you're in conversation with the audience, like, you're asking an audience, you're like, do you like this? And hopefully they go, we love you, and everyone, everyone in your life loves you too. Yeah. Um, Guys, please? No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, there's a, there's a sort of, there's a conversation there, and there's a tick, like, that's all to do with happiness and confidence and success, oh, no. I think. <laughs>
0: biochemical level yes. when you perform i mean for me i think i don't know if i have the healthiest relationship with it because it's the only thing that's ever made me really happy is per- <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is a what's happened they talk about like the high of performing and it's just it, it's dopamine and pleasure chemicals and endorphins and adrenaline being released in your brain and i think that levels off over the years but like that's it felt like a very real thing for me like and being present and uh that's not what you asked. But no, it, yeah, yeah I, it, is. it makes me happy, I think. Even when it goes badly, because you get, I think, that, that high is, I think.
4: Uh, I guess I don't, I don't always like, feel happy when it goes well either. But like, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's... Uh...
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, none of us are happy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And none of That's you are the... either? <laughs> yeah.
4: I find if I have a personal goal with it, then uh, I'll be feel happy after a gig, no matter how it goes. So, like, if, like, I go on and uh, I just go, I just want this one... Route, I just want to say this one routine and get it out there for the first time, and then if they're, you know, if they go for it or if they don't go for it, then I'm pretty happy after that I just said it and I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm just doing stuff like this year, I didn't I, I didn't really write any new material, so I was just doing old stuff all the time, so there's no new goals, and I really hated a lot of my gigs, and... Uh, and also, like, um, if I've just come out of a relationship, which happened earlier this year, then I associate that, like you say, the audience going they like you or not is too heavily tied into mm. having a breakup. and I had to have a break. So I was literally going on, and they were, it was like a rejection thing all over again. Mm. Then you come off and go, well, this is really clearly linked to that, and <laughs> I, I can't do this every night. So I think, yeah, it's, it's good. If, if you're in a happy place anyway, then it's a fun thing to do. But if you're not, it's not the answer and like mm. it's not going to make you feel better, I don't think.
1: Yeah. Counterpoint.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when everything's shit and everything else sucks and everything's failing, like I don't feel, I'll never feel happy overall with my career as a trajectory thing, but when I'm on the stage, I'm like, this is good, I could do this forever. Like, nothing else. I think it's, bi- I think it's just I'm fooled by my own chemistry. Mm. I'm like, this is delightful.
0: <laughs> everything else sucks. Like, as soon as I get on stage, the world could end. That's fine. Yeah. my whole family's in canada so I, I see them you know really what christmas is like a benchmark every year where, where they establish whether you're doing okay and happy or not because mm. I, I you know i see them for like two weeks in the year and it's just funny the questions they ask are always yeah are you see, are you in a relationship mm. are you yeah how as well is your career going like they're are mm. these these things that it's yeah it's a stressful kind of uh A every year and you're you're like uh not even your immediate family They're like the cousins and stuff being yeah. like, mm-hmm. It's like
4: it's no. like no when I'm single no one ever asks me for in a relationship but when I am in a relationship and I come back all my family come up to me and uh, don't hold back and go in oh thank god we are all so worried about you
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> and you're like you know that this is going to end right
2: <laughs> <laughs>
4: like we all know it's going to end again and then you have to go pretend that I'm fine <laughs> like yeah yeah like that'll happen and then I, we break up and they go House comedy.
0: Yeah, that's a generational thing too, though. I think like our parents' generation, it's being in a stable relationship is huge for them, whereas we're a bit more like everyone I try to date now is like I'm polyamorous. Maybe they just don't (laughs) want (laughs) to (laughs) date. But uh, you know what I mean? It seems like less important to our generation. Yeah, I I think those sort of um, the
3: goals that people have. In fact, that's my next question. So great um, okay. I, want I knew that know, I would like to know what you think not necessarily your goals but what you think just a couple of capital G goals are for people growing up like what is a traditional or maybe even non-traditional but what are those things you have to hit
2: mine was um, get thin and fuck shit up fuck shit up <laughs> my entire goal mine was I be cool
4: get lit. <laughs>
0: Oh, of of music, yeah. Yeah,
4: I always wanted to get a band and make the one of the greatest albums of all time. (laughs) That was where the list ended. (laughs) (laughs) That was it.
3: So none like none of those are good. <laughs> no they're healthy goals. <laughs> so actually, if you guys could leave I have some issues I need to no, know. Um I no I I actually really like all those goals because at least they're specific like maybe not all of them but no. they're specific and they come from something about you and utilizing yourself they're not things like Get married by a certain age have a house by a certain age i was talking with my uh cousin about another cousin of ours, and we were talking about how that cousin was like yeah i'm thrilled i'm 30 and i've hit all my goals two children a stable job and happy marriage 30 (laughs) and she'd done it oh she'd done it (laughs) um and i was watching listening to her being like what I realised is a bit like when you eat junk food and you really need everyone else in the room to also eat the same junk yeah. food as you. I really need everyone else's goals to be as undefined and as weird as mine. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I should be so happy for this person I am related to. <laughs> but instead, I'm like, God, why couldn't you just want to maybe do a show at Soho Theatre one time?
2: <laughs> 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 just one time, <laughs> you know. I, I, have, I had this one friend at uni who she, she had this action plan. like She'd written it down. And she was 18 at the time when I met her, and the action plan was 22 meet the guy that I'm uh, by the end of uni, meet the guy that I'm going to marry. 22 marry him. Um, by the time that I'm 32, have two children and be have quit my job to start my own business. And she's done it. Like she's Whoa. on like she's on track. Babies are coming next. And I want to say that she never seemed happy to me. She's straight up the happiest person I know. Like she's, <laughs> she's constantly, just uh, beaming, like inner like radiation of joy and love from her heart constantly to the whole world. Yeah. Yeah. And my goals were just like figure out how to be happy by the time I die. That's my yeah. only, yeah. Yeah. that's
0: all I want.
1: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about...
3: Um, so, my next question is like, you guys are in, uh, it's more about career now. You're in like a non traditional career. Um, and I think by that I mean you don't have to do the morning commute. <laughs> For me, that is what equals a job. <laughs> um, so, you're not in, and, and like, I think a lot of people think that that sort of freedom would equal the sort of happiness that they desire when they think about it. And I know there's lots of conversations about sort of routine and having that space to be, you know, as we talked about, told what to do. Yeah. Sometimes very nice. Um, I wanted to know if you feel like it's the freedom of your career and it's that sort of... Does that bring you happiness? Is that part of the reason you did it? That sort of thing?
4: I think I thought it was... I was definitely too scared to do other... So Something is more that the alternative scared me too much. And when I did day jobs in kitchens and uh, offices and stuff like that, I felt like I can't do this and that was too scary to do that. Um, and I definitely like the freedom of this job but it doesn't make I've literally had conversations this year with my agent and my family of saying this doesn't make me happy and I need to stop doing this mm. and I haven't stopped doing it because I've given myself time off and go okay I was just too stressed out but I was like there was a point this year where <laughs> I, I'd gone to alright here's what I'd done <laughs> This is a very depressing list of stuff. It was meant to be really good. It was be really exciting. I was going to go to America and go on TV for the first time. Yeah. Right? Went there, did it. Died on my ass. went really, really badly. No one laughed at me. It was really embarrassing. Half an hour later, I shat myself in a steakhouse.
2: Yeah.
4: <laughs> it's just a legitimate thing that I did. And then uh, <laughs> came out and my agent was eating a steak. And I said, I've shat my pants, we need to go. And he was like, we're not leaving. I've got a steak and I wanted to stay. And I had to sit there. I had to clean myself up by this point. But I still wasn't happy. And um, I said to him, I'm really unhappy my career. I just think this is too much for me. And I'm not really enjoying any of this. And he was just eating a steak and going, mate, it's great. Look at the bright side. You've got a steak.
3: <laughs>
4: and then I was just at home and I had food poisoning for days. So I was just in my room just speaking to my parents on the phone and just being like, I don't really know why I'm doing this. <laughs> or so will putting myself through this because actually it's not like it is a job of freedom when you're going around just doing whatever you like all the time, you're alone and you're putting yourself on your own all the time and mm. so when stuff like that does happen, <laughs> you shit your pants. You have <laughs> no one around to literally just be like, this is, laugh with you about it or mm. just like, look at the bright side of it. You're just like, this is fucking depressing. <laughs> so like, yeah. I think it's got, it's a plus and minus. Well, time.
3: I think that's an interesting thing because it's like, I think as a, as a comedian, especially like, you're a version of yourself on stage so your happiness Is now the business of everyone in your team, you know? Like there are people whose life, like their their nine to five, is based around your personality, and that can be quite a lot of pressure.
0: Mm. I think you're. I I I can relate, and I I think it's like finding. I mean, I've never shit my pants, but Mm. like up to you. (laughs) Up to you. But it's like finding a way to... It's also such a vague and open-ended career, and there's so many different iterations of it and, and paths you can take within it. So finding the one that... I'm on tour right now. It's my first tour, and I hate it. I, I don't think I'm going to do it again, touring. But that's okay. I don't have to, really. Mm. I just don't like being on my own and being on the train and being in a... And I I kind of thought it would be totally different. I like, I like the shows, and but I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay, I've got 12 dates left, and then I... I'm not gonna do this again. I'm not gonna, like, I'll, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, I would go and do a week somewhere, but going, like, a different city every night, is not, mm. it's not great. But some people love it, but that's okay.
3: Yeah. yeah, and there's no, like, right way to do a comedy career. That's another thing that I think could be both exciting and quite scary. Yeah.
2: I feel like the fact that it's not a nine to five, it's just, I couldn't be happier. I don't, I feel like I'm being really mean right now, but no. right now, in my life I could not be happier I'm just the happiest I've ever been yeah that's so, so nice Lord, is, yeah come oh, on I really Jesus. want you I'm you're ending the happiness by applauding the oh, happiness like, don't, <laughs> just don't do that but I genuinely feel just because everything I'm just doing like we get to tell jokes fuck I know it's so basic but we get to like tell jokes yeah, and make it people is. laugh it's so like, nice. Yeah. And I get to write, and then that's all going well, and things are going on the up there, and if something does, falls flat, it's not a big deal. There's more where that came from. And then I'm in, like, a happy, healthy relationship that makes me feel really free, uh, and it's great. I think this career is the best thing I'm so planet. annoyed that there's more I'm time so left <laughs> <Because> I'm <It's,
0: laughs> so sorry it. I'm
4: so sorry but don't uh, not be sorry because I know what's going to happen to you <laughs>
3: uh, <laughs> I, feel, I also feel like <laughs>
4: so threatening enjoy <laughs> this
3: <laughs> <laughs> you but, say
2: that but no, I feel no, like no. all the horrors of like my life from like zero to 18 so much bad stuff was happening that I'm like I, I said this to somebody else recently I was like I feel like nothing worse can ever happen to me and then she was like you're wrong
0: yeah. I mean, it will get. But I just feel like it won't. So that's but great. that's so interesting to me, hearing that you've had such shit times this year and stuff because it is such a weird job because I've, I've seen you perform this year and you've brought me so much happiness. Like, I've been in the audience laughing so hard and I, I don't laugh at anything and, like, especially when you're, like, when I, and seeing you when you're, like, in the moment on stage and you're so good at improvising and stuff and it's, yeah, so that's so interesting. That, Thanks, mate. No, it's true.
4: My happiest memories of doing stand-up was when I realised it was going to be my job and when it, was, it just clicked over to that and it was me and... uh we were both in Leicester, and we. But he had just won a competition, and I just got a tour support with someone with Josie Long, one of my favourite comics. And we just were like walking in. Le- it was early in the morning. We're just walking around and just saying to each other, "This is our jobs now. Mm. This is going to be our jobs." And it felt really. I mean, I, I didn't know that was as good as it was going to get, but I felt really <laughs> happy walking around. I think those kind of moments where you do kind of it's those things that seem out of reach like oh that will never be my job anyway I'm just imagining it or just like it's just nice to think about and when you do reach those things which you can do in stand-up that are are goals that you don't put too much of your hopes on but you would like to do and they are attainable and when you do like reach those kind of hurdles or milestones then uh, yeah I think for a morning at least walking around Leicester you'll feel happy
3: (laughs) but that's that's an interesting point that I hadn't thought about covering which is like actually as stand-ups you're job is to bring people happiness to an extent like people come to me very specifically to be happy
0: yeah. it, like it seems like when we talk about it it's like this makes me happier I realized I, I wanted to like it's very but yeah mm. and it's funny because it you'd think it would be but that is a huge yeah. part of it that's I mean it's so nice that is so nice that connection you, maybe
4: you want to make, I'm like I think too often maybe for quite a long time I kind of like almost took that side out of the equation and forgot about it and it's like other people and their days and what they've been up to and how they're feeling and like I, you know if i could see the audience like this is perfect i can't see any of you and it's really nice but like when you can see their faces it is nice i, I don't saw want to them see a single one of you. <laughs> like because when you can see people's faces it's all like when i'm watching anything i watch it like like this <laughs> whether I'm having a great time on, or whatever it is. And, like, when I see that person in the audience, I just, like, in my head, I'm going, why the fuck are you here, mate? What the fuck? And, like, that's instantly what I feel, is that... And, like, sometimes, you know, on a bad day, I have literally lashed out at that person and mm-hmm. I've been like, like, what's your problem? And then they had a go at them. And then you don't realise until you're on your way home, like, oh, they're, they're you, though. Yeah. They're you as well. I've and been they're having a bad time.
3: A, like, a professional comedy goer for long enough now that I now watch all comedy shows like this. <laughs> <laughs> Not arms crossed, yeah. smiling eyes. <laughs> very good, very good comedy. <laughs> yeah. Because you don't realise when you're in the audience, like how people can sort of see and like read you that way. And yeah. um, so I wanted to talk about slightly non-comedy things and more about, um, I guess, body in general. We sort of touched upon it. Um, I always think, like the female body in particular, but bodies in general really are where we and like, a lot of our politics and the way that culture feels about people is shown. How we treat people, how we look at people, how we label people. Um, when you're talking about... Um, when you have to talk about feminism, you also have to talk about how intersectional feminism shows us that like, different women experience, and not just women, different people experience different levels of discrimination, and you have to understand everything within that package. Of, like, so, you know, we're experiencing different things when I feel like I'm confused by crystals as a version of happiness, someone somewhere else is going to be dealing with much bigger issues, you know, and so there has to be a conversation in feminism that grows from feminism, but, you uh, know, goes from crystals, but also makes this, make sure there's space for other people to talk. And so I wanted to talk about how you feel like, instead of saying, do you have, are you happy with your body? I want to ask you if you, are, if you have a happy body. Very, I'll answer first. <laughs> uh, um, so I think the difference between that question is that, so I, if I think, am I happy with my body? Uh, probably not, like just to be real, just normal human beings. But do I have a happy body? Yeah. You know, I get from A to B. I've only shit my pants once in my life. You know, same as James, <laughs> In the same level. Um,
4: And, good friend, when I shat my pants, you shared that story with me.
3: And my immediate question was, and what do you do with the pants? Because you can only know that that's the follow up question if you've done it yourself.
4: (laughs) It's a really funny chat, and I appreciate it.
3: Yeah. You're welcome, James. I've got a lot more stories. No, I don't. Just one. Maybe? No. I wondered, because I know you talk about in your stand up shows about neural pathways and how the sort of elasticity of the brain affects things. I wondered if that was something you could bring.
0: Um, I've been just learning about it recently about. things you can do to affect your actual brain chemistry and stuff. I mean, we we know exercise boosts like pleasure chemicals in the brain and like doing new things all the time means that you're constantly forming new neural pathways. So then it's harder for your brain to form like ruts and habits. So and that, that could be even like we can have habitual emotions, right? Like like. I constantly feel ashamed or so and you it 's not that you do it's that your brain's getting used to feeling that way and going to that place or, or anger like you can get it sort of addicted to going from like one to a hundred, and so doing new things is good, and crystals and yeah. yeah, I go to narcotics anonymous meetings I like that's one thing I do for myself i don't yeah, you know
3: yeah that's I was going to ask about do you have any sort of self care rituals that you do, and before you it's i know it often sounds a bit new agey but Actually, when you look at feminist theory, actually self-care, as Audre Lorde said, is a form of self-preservation which is, uh, is part of warfare, which is that you need to protect yourself, especially if you're someone who is routinely attacked, which I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say I was, but you need to have a space within, like, a care for yourself, which is about... And also, it's about removing yourself from being carers or being people who are people who rely on. It's about taking a space just for yourself. Do either of you have sort of self-care things, any of you?
2: I was going to answer the last question. <laughs> Please um, be back. Uh, can I, OK. Um, about having a happy body. And I've been thinking about this, because I, I genuinely, when I said earlier that I feel like I'm the happiest that I've been in a long time, I feel that way very much about my physical body as well, where I'm like, yeah, I would. And <laughs> it's, it's nice. It's a nice feeling. But then at the same time, I'm, the older I get, the more hyper-aware I am of existing in a place where I'm not the norm, so the more aware I am of my race. And that's something that just came with the, with the birthing, right? <laughs> like, it just I came out brown. Um, <laughs> and it's not a matter of me having a problem with it, but it's just knowing that you're just in a world where you're constantly not, you know? That was very eloquently put. Fisher <laughs> <laughs> on Rafe. Uh, <laughs> it's a show. Um, and I think that, that I'm become, becoming more and more hyper aware of it to the extent where I'm like, oh, is this paranoia now? Or is it, oh, no, no, for sure, this is you. This is you guys. Um, is something that's more and more in my brain all of the time. And in the current political climate especially, it makes you feel very unsafe. But I also feel super happy, so it's just a nice, just like the good and the sorrow.
3: Yeah, well that's exactly that thing we were talking about earlier about how when we talk about happiness, so often we're talking about success, and that's not necessarily the same thing. Talking about race, is that a thing where you feel like you're, we were talking about labels but last time we talked about this, and do you feel like that's something that people have different ideas about what your happiness or your success
2: is yes you put that very clearly yeah absolutely but i think even more basic than that let's like bring it down another level happiness you can't feel happy unless you feel safe mm. and if you feel insecure and in, not safe walking on the streets then that becomes a whole other
0: i get that yeah like i yeah yeah we were talking that, about that before yeah. yeah safety's huge and i one thing i've made a conscious effort to do because all. I look relatively androgynous, so I get, you know, especially late at night and stuff, I get groups, people shouting stuff at me, and people like to tell me that, (laughs) that I look weird. And uh, I've made a conscious effort, because all my friends are comedians, they're all mostly straight. I mean, I don't have a lot of queer female friends, and so I made an effort to, like, go to gay nights, and it is, it makes a difference to be in a space where you're not the only one that looks like you, you
3: know? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about language as well because I think there's so much language about happiness and like self-worth. Huger, like, huh? Huger, Huger. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't have gone, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Huger. Um, I think I find it very hard to sort of define myself within sort of happiness. I feel like that's probably a thing that people are like. What is happiness? Now, I think the definition of happiness is purposefully vague because they want you not to know. They want you not to know. (laughs) They need you to be like, I think it's this, but I'm doing this and I'm not happy, so I'm wrong. I'm the problem. You know, like that, I think it's part of it. And I, so I wondered if you, rather than necessarily defining happiness, which would be, you know, if you want to do it, please tell me. Um, But also I want maybe what, when I say happiness to you, what's like an emotion or a memory or a theme or what does that sort of spark in you?
0: I think I'm like, like James where I've in the past put a huge amount of importance on relationships and love. And so a lot of my like happiest memories are being with someone and stuff. But then when it ends, looking back, it feels a little bit like oh, I shouldn't have put everything in. So I don't know. But I think the thing about the donuts <laughs> and, the, yeah. and my friends. So it's like a, a sort of community. Being present in the moment and not, not want, not feeling that need and want for, for something else, but yeah. being content with what you... I I haven't felt that since the beach but yeah (laughs) it's really interesting to me that you can pinpoint that exact sort of moment I remember thinking on the beach this might be the happiest I will ever feel I remember thinking remember this moment really yeah it was a very conscious thing how old were
3: you yeah 10 or something wow yeah guys we've got to be listening to the 10 and 11 year olds (laughs) they are thinking things Fisher what does the word like happiness what does that mean what does that bring out in you
2: I think now that I've started on the path of talking about safety and security that I'm suddenly unpicking my whole childhood. Uh, and it's really exciting for me, not for you guys, but I'm self actualizing right now, so go with me. <laughs> um, when I was, when I was at 12, we ran away from a really like, huge fire that killed like, thousands of people. And we were running, and my brother like, grabbed my hand and was like, we're going to do it. And I was like, yeah, he loves me, because he was really mean to me before that. And then we ran, we ran, we ran, and my parents were really slow, and we were like, come on, pick up the pace, everyone's dying, hurry the fuck up. And then... <laughs> Like A lot of people died, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and then we got to the end, and there were all these trucks, and there was just all this mayhem. And then behind us this, um, like a stampede started. And there was like a tunnel, and the stampede started, and a of people were getting trampled, but we just got out. And then, then, then this, this, this quiet just kind of went over everybody. There's this huge quiet. And then like, everyone just kind of started hugging. It sounds so cheesy. Because we'd made it out from like the danger zone now. We're in like, the big plane, we're in the free Yeah, our space. silence
3: is not us judging you. It's <laughs> okay. us judging ourselves. <laughs>
2: Yeah. so we were just yeah. here in this space, and then I lo- remember looking at my brother, and we genuinely had never gone along before. He used to like be physically like, violent because he was just an angry kid. And then suddenly like, he hugged me, and I was like, just relief, like, oh, we're all gonna live. We all get to live, and this is fucking great. And all these people, I don't know any of them, they all get to live, and this is just so fucking nice. And that was probably my happiest moment.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay.
4: Gotta stop waiting to go live. <laughs> James, you have gotta, gotta get in
3: there, man.
4: Follow everyone dying. <laughs>
2: um, where was the fire? So my parents took me to do Hajj, which is like a pilgrimage for Muslim people. And part of the thing is you have to tent, you have to camp in these tents. And this was in 1995 or 98, I can't remember which one. I should probably know. And they hadn't redone the tents yet, so it was a desert. With tents and wood and people making open fucking fires, mm. and like hundreds of thousands of people were there, and then the fire spread like that, and that was it. Wow. And it just went. So that's where it happened.
3: So, when you're saying that you deserve your happiness, <laughs> yep. I, I feel like I've earned it. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Um, I wanted to briefly talk about um, relationships, but not just. What, what, oh, sorry. Yeah. I thought when you said I don't want it to go last, you went. Don't come to me. Okay.
4: <laughs> no, I got happy. Stuff. Okay, I want to hear it. <laughs> I think actually, I have been thinking about this a lot recently. I think this is because of my upbringing in churches and stuff. So I. My happiest memories are when it's huge groups of people who I don't necessarily know all of them either, and it's that making that connection with like a room full of people or whatever, which I don't know, maybe that's why I do stand up, but I've never achieved that. But like, it's that thing of like feeling connected to everyone. And I was, I did a, did a gig the other week and it had no material, I had to do an hour, so I was, was writing stuff that was memories of times where I felt like that. And it was all in the same year, and I didn't realize until I've written them down. But there was one, there was in 1999, there was an eclipse that I went to watch my family and it was a field full of people all watching the eclipse at the same time and it felt really amazing and I felt connected to everyone in the field including this kid who we'd spent the whole holiday with called Edmund, who everyone, we really hated him he was a really horrible little kid and I had to listen to him get He got um, Harry Potter read to him every night it was, but it was like before the audiobooks and the films when people were calling her Hermione and stuff and it was um, like, I was listening to that <laughs> Um, but I hated that kid and yeah. like, I remember seeing the eclipse and then after the eclipse like actually liking that kid I think it was cool so we'd had that um, Manchester United won the treble that year which I have not followed football since then hmm. um, it was the last year I followed football but when they won my house had got flooded that year and we'd moved into a smaller place uh, without a TV and then we went to this working men's club to watch the football me and my dad did uh, every time they were playing And it was full of people who weren't necessarily Manchester United fans but they were all just like supporting that team So it was the English team in the final and it was like, for those of you who remember it, it was probably the best game ever and uh, they scored right in the last minute, it was incredible and all me and everyone in that room who I'm pretty sure I have nothing in common with outside of wanting that team to score a goal was really happy and celebrating together. And that felt great, just anyway.
3: Well, that's great, because that nicely brings me to my sort of final point and thought, which is that I wonder if so much of the attention on happiness is about how you feel, how you compare to other people. And we've been talking about how that should be something that you, you do keep, not separate to other people, but something that you should make a decision on your own, make sure they're your own decisions. And I personally think that feminism, for me, has become a bit of a lifeboat in that, regard because it sort of gives me a, like literally a, a break, a moment to think like, I'm feeling these things, but is it me, Amy, who is the, like, it's a problem here, or is it just everything that I am, that I can't control? And I think that's a really important thing when you're like dealing with, when you feel like you're less than or you're not quite achieving. Often it's, you know, I think also it comes down to like, if you're worried about walking down the street and you feel stupid about that weirdness, and you're like, why do I feel, you know, you get, it's also internalized and like, say what you like about capitalism, very good at getting it to be your own fault. <laughs> like, say what you like about the, the man, <laughs> he is great at his job. Like, the amount of stuff I've realised I've internalised. And so I think feminism for me has been a sort of space just to like take a break. Not necessarily to fix all of it, but just like a, a moment of peace. And I, I wonder though if like the sort of the community spirit that's what you're talking about it's actually the sort of the collective nature of community that sort of actually makes you happy like when it's about other people but not about what other people think about you do you agree
4: (laughs) yeah I think having people around you who make you feel like you're not crazy and you're not like just falling apart and and it's just like it's just you Mm. is really important all the time like yeah the amount it's like you know, if you have had a shit day at work, you come back, you don't need someone to problem solve for you. You just need someone to go, yep, that's really shit. And I felt like that as well. And that's all I need ever. Mm. And then you go, yep, cool, I'm not. Because otherwise, I just feel like I, I'm the one who can't cope and this is all too much. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why comedy is nice sometimes as well, because you say the things that you're insecure about and then a room full of people are like, me too. Oh, yeah. That's nice. But also, doing good for others makes... And worrying about other people's well-being, I think. Is, yeah. But then, does that, was that episode of Friends where they're like, is there any such thing as an altruistic act? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. Because doing good makes you feel good. So is mm. it... Mm. Is it that in Friends? Self, yeah, yeah, it was in Friends. Phoebe's debating is that right? Yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah it's,
0: <laughs> it's... <laughs> I
3: wish
2: I brought that up earlier. <laughs> I think on a really basic level, what Friends. that is, is um, just a recognition... Of your own humanity and the humanity of others. Mm. And then you put
0: that all together and you're like, we're a bunch of humans. Oh my god, and animals though. Let's not yeah. forget how good are dogs. They're the best. <laughs> like they, we, we don't deserve them and they're like angels on this earth. Yeah, and they don't they that. don't have any ego. They don't have any they don't want anything except you and like they're such idiots and that's yeah. You know on podcasts where they like pull out
3: a, a phrase to be the title. How I think good, how good are dogs. Let's not forget dogs. <laughs> we'll definitely be up there. Um, and I hope and this is, I know once again the sincerity thing I should have given you a warning. Uh, very sincere. I'm half Canadian, please. Thank you. Uh, co-signed. Um, and I just hope that like, you know, in this room, there's a lot of people obviously chosen to be here. So worth when the lights come up, turning around, shaking a hand, seeing if you want to be friends with anyone here. If you don't, yeah, that's fine. I want not take it personally. No, I, I think like we can, we can build a community around these things. And like the idea of having a conversation like this on that's recorded, that people come to, that people engage with, is not about finishing when the lights come up, but about sort of keeping this conversation going and making it like... We didn't have time to talk about like, Weinstein, and I'm kind of glad we didn't, because it's, you know, it's everywhere, and not every conversation needs to be about a guy who was an assaulter, but there is a space for thinking, like, if conversations like this are happening, maybe it will be easier for people to come forward earlier. I'm not saying the fact that I talked about my childhood diaries is like a big important thing, but actually all of us have these stories within us and they are worth something. Thank you very much for coming. I would like to clap you. Thanks for having us.
2: And thank you very much for coming.
1: (laughs) So, are we any closer to finding out what women want? I don't know. I'm not a linguist. Thank you so much for listening. I would adore it if you would rate, subscribe and share. It all makes such a difference in my ongoing journey to top Mel Gibson when you Google What Women Want. Thank you to producer Zach Annette and to radio legend Shola Aleje for her help. Music is by The Artisans via Gemendo Publishing. What Women Want is off Edinburgh this year. We're going to be at the Pleasants for six dates. Saturdays and Sundays in August. Head to the Pleasance website, get your tickets. Oh boy, I would love to see you there.
0: Planning for your next trip?
3: Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,